0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard McLean and I'm Matt Skaggs and this is Please Leave a Message. This is season three, episode number 11. Overall, this is episode number 40. We're called Please Leave a Message because we do have a phone number set up that you can call in and you can ask us questions, tell us stories, anything you feel like. The number is 801 Sketch One. That's 801 753 8241. You can find us at PleaseLeaveMessage.com. Anything we talk about that's visual that we want to show to you, we'll put on our Instagram, which is at Message Podcast. Or if you don't want to call in, you can also send us a message via email. Our email address is pleasepodcast at gmail How are you doing, Matt? Pretty good. So Matt's been on the show a couple times. Yep, this is my third, right? I believe so. Mm-hmm. You guys still have the uh, record for most listens. Yay! And but it dropped.
1: Oh, I don't. So well, what they people did,
0: unlistened. No, what happened <laughs> was the podcasts hosting thing Mm -hmm. that I go through, they are making themselves compliant with some internet advertising, something Mm -hmm. or other. And so they went through and they reevaluated all of the uh, stats and they're like, okay, you're actually at this number. So it it (laughs) dropped, but you're still at the top of the list. That's good. (laughs) I found this cool thing the other day and you know, I'm a multi-channel guy. Yeah. And I'm into this thing called ambisonics. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a speaker that I came across. It's called the Ico speaker. Okay. Imagine a D20. Yep. And every service of the D20 has a six inch speaker on it. Mm-hmm. And then it just rides on a pole. Yeah. So you set it up and then you calibrate it to the room. Mm-hmm. And then it somehow takes the uh, ambisonic stuff and it gives you a 3D sound 3D field. 3D
1: sound field, yeah.
0: From just that one.
1: I think Wiz had one of those. Focal point. Right?
0: Um think, or what was was that something else? Well, it's it's based on the same thing. He yeah. he talked about beamforming and he yeah. wanted to do it as a microphone rather than a speaker. Right, right, right. right. Um but it, it's basically Oh yeah, it's a microphone. Yeah. yeah. It's, but it's basically the same thing. That's cool. Yeah. Um but I I looked at that thing and I'm like that's just the kind of thing I want.
1: <laughs> you know, well, so one of the coolest like live kind of setups I've seen is Andrew Bird. He has a gramophone on stage and you think it's there just for decoration but then at some point he uses it like a leslie okay so he has a switch that he flips and then the sound starts coming out of the gramophone and then the gramophone starts slowly and just slowly ramps up and then before you know it, it sounds like a full-on Leslie, and it's just an absolutely amazing thing. But yeah, like it's just sitting there on stage, like in a cabinet, and it's you know a big gramophone with a giant horn. Right. And then just before you know it, he's it's spinning like crazy, and you can hear those you know the effects of his instrument through it. I think I think he was playing guitar through it, but that's really cool. Yeah, I wish I wish I had the know how to set weird stuff up like that because it's just it makes it more fun.
0: Right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly why. Um, so there's certain things that I learned pretty well on my own. I can just yeah. pick it up, figure it out. Playing guitar, playing uh, bass, not one of them, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. But, but I'm still trying. Another thing that I've toyed with ever since I was a kid is programming stuff and, and messing around with electronics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of get the basics, but I get, I have these ideas. There's stuff I want to build but I just do not have the know-how yeah. and I don't even know really how to get started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I've had, I've had a lot of friends who, you know, are electrical engineers and stuff, people who work with amps and pedals and stuff. And it's always been very fascinating. Like my first fuzz pedal that I ever had was built for me by a friend who was in the electrical engineering program at BYU. And it was really cool because it was like handmade. So, like, right. you know, we like made it, Uh, just from scratch pretty much and he's talking about how easy the circuits are and how we could include a buffer switch and all these different like things and it was two stage it was two gain stages so it was like one of more of a like a distortion fuzz and then one that's just a straight like the most insane fuzz you can think of right and stuff like that and he just you know he's just like yeah no worries i'll just look up the schematics online and then he just had it and it was done he's like (laughs) here you go have fun and i use that for years like i only just recently got a new fuzz pedal like within the last year so like that stuff is so fascinating to me but again like when he was looking at the diagrams i'm like oh my god it's so complicated and then he's like no it's easy it's like one of the easiest ones you can do I was like, "Okay, oh, hey, are you sure? <laughs> are you just flexing on me right now?" Like, <laughs> "Oh, that's easy." So I do that with people on guitar. Like, I'm like, "Oh, that guitar riff is easy," and it's probably not really, but I think it is because I've been playing guitar right, for so long. Right? So. Yeah.
0: No, I, I get it. Like, since I work at UVU, I can take classes for free, and so yeah. that's that's been kind of my thing. It's like I I do have these ten fifteen ideas for like products, yeah, things that. I've looked for out there, and it just doesn't exist. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, oh, i got to do it myself, because that's a really good idea, but I just don't have the know-how. But luckily, I can take classes, and so that's kind of my... I've got this kind of long-term plan to to take uh, the computer engineering courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, before you can even jump into those, you have to get through all these math classes. Yeah. And uh, although I don't hate math,
1: exactly... Ugh, no math for me, I, I
0: hate the way they teach math. Yeah. I was always... Like in the top math classes until high school, and then I I ditched math class one day for an art field trip, Mm -hmm. and the teacher's like, "I'll let you go, but that's literally the most important class of the entire year for this class. You're going to be behind the rest of the year." And I just kind of blew it off because I'd never had a hard time keeping up, and the rest of the year I was lost, yeah, completely lost, and. feel like that's that's part of it's on me i mean i could have gone in no i'm saying like i think i feel like that
1: that's that's mostly an issue with our educational system and that it's like once one thing and then forget it you know it's like i don't know know.
0: well i I feel like if i had taken the time to go in after class once yeah he could have caught me up on it but i I didn't high school i didn't even think to do that yeah right Uh, uh, it was yeah anyway but And so I stopped taking math classes at that point Mm -hmm. because I'd already taken all the requirements. Yeah. I was like, "Ah, I'll just take more art classes. So that's,
1: that's what I did. I (laughs) skipped math and went, took all my art and English classes. That's always what I was more interested in.
0: Right. Yep. I I took so many art classes.
1: I failed most of the art classes I took because I don't like being told what to do. (laughs) Creatively wise, I don't like being told what to do creatively. (laughs) And so like we would get an assignment like painting an object and I'd be like, okay, I'll paint that object, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be very different somehow. Like I just, there's just some innate desire in me to just not do what I'm told, especially when it comes to creative projects, which is probably not a good thing, but.
0: (laughs) Well, my, my junior high art teacher was the worst. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was, like, very, like, you must do it this way kind of a teacher. And I did not take another art class in junior high because of that. And so I got to high school, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this again. Because I love art. I'm Mm -hmm. an artist. Yeah. Right? And that art teacher was really good about it. I took – she would never, like, give us a grade. She'd always bring us up and say, well, what kind of grade do you think you deserved? And I would always go, like, oh, I don't know, a B or a C. And she'd always give me an A Yeah, every time because – I think she recognized that I kind of knew what I was doing.
1: Yeah. And you were being, at least you were being honest. Right. Like being like, eh, it's not great.
0: It's not the worst. Well, I I always (laughs) said that because I was always doing stuff. Yeah. But it wasn't always necessarily what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. But I was always there in the art class.
1: Yeah, my, my thing was with art was I never enjoyed the classes. I always enjoyed the community. Right, yeah. Like, I would always hang out. Like, the other kids in your art classes are the ones who care. And so a lot of them are very much interested in the same things you're interested in. Because, you know, us creatives have to stick together. Right. Like, so that was it. Like I would suffer through the teacher being like, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way, you know, and stuff. But then afterwards we'd all just get together and do our own thing, you know? So yeah. a lot of it, cause I was interested in animation, okay. uh, when I was a ke- younger. And so I always, I was always drawing people like figure drawing, a lot of figure drawing and stuff and a lot of still life, you know, just okay. drawing things around me. And I, Drew a lot of comic books as a kid, right? Uh, about everything, and I guess our te- art teacher just hated comics. Didn't think comics were legitimate art form or whatever. She's very snobby, and so everything is like oil painting, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And it's oil painting's cool, but I was always interested in pencil and ink, you know, more right. than anything.
0: We had a group of us, and we took like all the same art yeah, classes together. That's, that's me too. And then we would we'd sit in the corner and we'd draw comic books
1: yep that's me too It's
0: like and we'd talk about comic books and we we're all obsessed with animation yeah and uh yeah so that's what we did she would give us assignments like she was always trying to get us to draw from life more mm-hmm. and we were all like no
1: we want to draw from the imagination yeah, i want to draw a guy with a giant sword not a <laughs> plant <laughs> And things like that, I would draw plants with a giant sword. I'd draw a plant with a giant sword. <laughs> just, to, just to mess with my art teacher.
0: Well, I'm surprised that she always gave me A's because I literally, I don't think I ever did any of the assignments we were supposed yeah. to do. I wish. Especially the the painting class. I I never liked painting, but I just took it because it was another art class.
1: Yeah. Well, like, yeah, my, my anatomy, one of my anatomy teachers was like that in that she would give assignments, but... Did not care how you got to the end point, as long as you had an end point of some kind to give to her. So, you know, she'd say, okay, today we're doing an eye study, draw a page with, you know, cover it in eyes and so I think one kid literally wrote the letter I a billion times and <laughs> right. he still got a grade. He still got a good grade for that assignment because it's thinking outside of the box and it's funny. And he still had to sit down and draw eyes and different calligraphy and like block letters and shading and stuff like that, which is creative, right? He wasn't doing it to be a brat. He was doing it because it's a witty right. thing to do.
0: Yeah. I only started liking painting recently and it was just a weird like i was in an art show and suddenly i had this feeling that i wanted to paint and i'm like this is a weird feeling i've never yeah. wanted to paint before in my life so anyway that's cool yeah so what have you been up to well we just released an
1: album pray for me october 4th so a few weeks well quite a, about, a month ago. about a month more than a month ago <laughs> well if it he doesn't feel like that um right. we released that album just been shopping the album around, just sending it out to people, getting, making as many people as we can aware of it because we're really, really proud of it. We've been getting a lot of really positive feedback so far. Like Everyone's been liking it and enjoying it, which is great. But yeah, just trying to get it out to as many people. Make us, you know, I want to fill up your social media feed with the cold year so you don't forget about us. Cause... <laughs> and then we're uh, currently recording... Some new material that's probably going to go on another album in the near future, but for right now we're just doing some singles, just kind of getting some new material. Because Pray For Me was kind of an interesting timeline. We were working on it, and then we took about a, a long hiatus with the band just in general. While well, we found a new drummer and then we got a new drummer. He learned the stuff. And then we literally like went into the studio with him, like within his first couple months huh? of being with us, we went into the studio and recorded the rest of the drums for the songs. So the album took a lot longer than we thought it would. And we changed drummers midway through. <laughs> but <laughs> even having said that the album sounds great. I'm really proud of it. But because of that, there our our new drummer josh he wasn't able to write a lot of the parts a lot of the parts had already been written so right. this is kind of our chance to actually sit down together as the cold year in the, the trio that we are now and write songs okay. Like actually like be like what do you think josh what do you want you know and he's it's it's great it's absolutely phenomenal i really cannot complain about it we recorded the drums in a cultural hall okay and a church our producer jason Knoll, who's also been on the show in the past he got the key to a church for us and we went and set up the mics in a cultural hall we mic'd the room mm-hmm. and so we get this big open you know really thumpy huge drum kit sound that's fantastic it sounds so good very cool so yeah we just laid down bass tracks for that we're going to be going back into the studio and getting some guitar and vocals done here soon and uh yeah so that's kind of what we've been working on
0: so my plan was to listen to this album before i had you come in but Mm -hmm. that didn't happen
1: all right (laughs) so
0: (laughs) i'll get to it yeah uh but what is is there anything you want to share tonight that we could play or something
1: uh yeah i have some songs it kind of depends on how you want to keep the conversation. Do you want to keep it light and breezy, or do you want to get real dark? Because we have a bit of both in the album.
0: <laughs> I, I, I want to keep it light and dark. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I can do that. I think I think that's probably my strongest my strongest attribute as a writer is doing dark and light together.
0: What should I, I play? I think, the,
1: I think the song that would be most interesting for the please leave a message host as well as the listeners out there would probably be 33 and a third i have the most to say about the way that was recorded okay it's probably the most
0: artistically
1: well artistically it was definitely the most interestingly recorded track on the album
0: let's take a listen then yeah Thanks. (laughs)
1: Thanks. <laughs> I thought you would. I hope you
0: would, <laughs> right? Yeah, the imagery is so, yeah, great.
1: It's been it's that that's the f- well, it's not the first time. It's it's been a long time since I've heard that song in headphones. Okay. And I forgot some of the things that we did like have the the really atmospheric guitars like zipping left to right, and mm-hmm. right to left and flying around behind you. I, f- I forgot that we did some of those things. Okay. So don't, like I mostly listen to mute, to the song in my car, or you know, on my phone speakers or my laptop speakers to make sure that it sounds good for that. But then having it on headphones, oof.
0: Well, now I want to um, run it through a ProLogic decoder. Yeah, that'd How be cool. <laughs> see what it does. Yeah.
1: The song The song itself is a love song to analog music. "Pray for Me" follows a, somewhat of a narrative of just kind of just a a general sense of dread and depression throughout and then 33 and a third is kind of the pick-me-up okay and the pick-me-up is my love of physical media specifically vinyl right um and stuff like tape decks and Mm -hmm. such we recorded the vocals and the guitar on a old cassette deck like a really cool... Kind of crappy old one that you get from like DI, okay and it came with mics and everything. So we would. So I was literally singing it, and because it's tape, you have to one take it. So those vocals and that guitar are all one taked, which I would like to point out because that is that was not easy. (laughs) It turns out (laughs) out I'm not very good at guitar. (laughs) It's hard for me to play for a solid two minutes without making any mistakes. But yeah, like it's basically record it into this box, and the box has a little speaker on it, Mm -hmm. so you can. Playback, And so it was us putting a condenser in front of that old speaker and replaying the song that I just recorded through it. And then the song slowly develops, the bridge part is, you know, it starts to go digital, because the guitar is still analog and everything. And then the guitar, but that guitar, those effects are all digital. And then the end of the song, everything is digital. The drums, the bass, the guitars, the vocals, everything goes to digital. So it's kind of the, that's kind of the point of the song is it's my love of music, but physical media and kind of that old sound, you know, lo-fi, some people call it nowadays lo-fi sound, but then it just slowly develops into it, into modern Right. I do modern with air quotes. (laughs) quotes. I always forget I'm on a podcast.
0: (laughs) I do too. Last time I recorded, my guest kept saying, would you like me to describe that? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, please do. Yeah. 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 So, so no, that's, that's really awesome.
1: It's so easy to take music for granted nowadays because you legitimately just, you get in your car, your car syncs up with your speakers and you just push play and it's the thing that helps to keep you focused on the road, you know? And so a lot of people say, "Oh, I love music. I wouldn't be able to live without music." And it's true. Like, yeah, I believe you. But a lot of them don't actually know what they're listening to. Right. And vinyl is kind of that experience of you have to get up, you have to look through your collection, mm-hmm. and then you have to choose one, and then you have to act, take an active role in putting it on the table, turning the table on, moving the needle you know, stuff like that. And um, that's just so, it, it makes me actually care about the music more because I have to physically use like manipulate it in order to get it. And then I can sit there and I listen to it because I put in all this work to get it going. I don't want to put it on and then go and play video games in the other room. Right. You know? So no,
0: yeah, that's, that's why I have the audiophile nights that I do. Yeah. Cause I just, I think that's just something that's missing in our lives yeah. Is, because i love like i've got so much this surround sound obsession of mine is it's unhealthy <laughs> it really is i i i'm constantly uh, obtaining new things
2: yeah
0: i i do not have time to listen to all the stuff that i have obtained yeah and and part of the problem is i get all this stuff and then I, it's not that fun for me to just sit and listen to it by myself yeah i i want to i want to experience it with other people Especially when I'm getting like old albums that I used to listen to all the time, and then I find a surround sound version of it, mm-hmm. and it's just like this whole new thing. And I'm like, oh man, we used to listen to that all the time in high school. I just want to share this with the people that would appreciate it.
1: Yeah, my my big thing is I I will oftentimes listen to albums and such at work because my I work in front of a computer, right? And the work is fairly slow going. Like it's send an email wait for a reply mm-hmm. type out a, an answer to a question here you know it's pretty um slow so music's really great at helping me focus and it my job isn't so demanding that i'm not able to actually pay attention right there are moments where i will like realize that like two songs have gone by and i haven't paid attention <laughs> to a single bit but you know that's fine I'm, I'm okay with that i can luckily go back and re-listen but yeah, that's like listening to music alone, being able to turn it up and just not talk. That's my thing. Like,
0: Well, I, I like to, to do that, about. too. Yeah. I do like to do that, too.
1: And when I was a kid, I would listen to records in my bedroom with the lights off, like before bed. Like I would lay in bed oh, yeah. on the covers and listen to a record in the dark before ultimately wrapping up. But that was back when like smartphones were in their early days and I didn't have one.
0: <laughs> so, well, I, I used to do that, but I was using records and cassette tapes primarily. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah
1: yeah you know so that song that song is legitimately just my love song to it and it's it's supposed that the the lyrics are purposefully kind of vague and poetic you know they're it's the needle the spin you know things of that nature just talking about vinyl you have to listen and sit still you know it's better than pills except it's expensive you know (laughs) but i mean that's kind of the the point of the song is it's just my love letter to it Cause I don't write love songs. I don't really enjoy love songs, so I don't write them. But that's the closest thing I'll ever get to a love song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I really liked it. Yeah, it was very good. We're called. Please leave a message. And I don't get a lot of calls. I'm not that big. Hmm. Back when I had a co-host who had a large audience, we would get calls. But oh, I'm
1: I'm looking forward to this.
0: But <laughs> I'm honestly nervous. We got a couple. <laughs> and how I'm going man, to be how honest as with... a couple. Two. Two. Okay, cool. <laughs> we that's got two. Good. That's good. You you put the you put it out on your social media. We got two almost immediately. Cool. And uh and that's it. So All right. But I have not listened to them. Oh. So, <laughs> oh This is going to be So <laughs> well, this question is uh for the cold year, I was wondering um how what do you think about Lord Vox, and what was your experience playing with them?
2: Also, you guys rock. Bye. Huh. Oh. Uh, huh. huh.
1: Huh. Hmm. I wonder who sent that one in. Let's see. Lord Vox. I don't recall that band. I don't think I've ever actually played with them. I don't really know. I'd have to think about that one for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Lord Vox played our album release show. And I've caught Lord Vox five, six times uh, locally. And just every time they just absolutely blow my mind. It's, it's always, like, I feel huge amounts of solidarity for, like, tr- local three pieces. Because having a three piece that sounds that full and, mm-hmm. like, just height is so rare i don't even consider the cold year to be in that category of like good bands that are a (laughs) three-piece lord vox is definitely at the like the top of that like they're just their whole sound is just so huge and so good and uh, they all know what they're doing. Super professional. Just the nicest guys. Uh, like, uh, legitimately, the story that I told them at the album release was that we we played with them once upon a time on like a Wednesday night at like Metro. And it was like a nobody gig, like no one rolled up. It was literally just the bands listening to the other bands. And okay. that was like the night where we met the guys in Telesomniac, who are another one of our huge local favorite bands. They're actually playing a show with us coming up, which I'll talk about later. Telesomniac, we met them and we literally just met them by like just chatting in the green room before the show. And I had no idea that they were, you know, in the other bands or whatever. Right. And so I was like, man, these guys are cool. And then they got up on stage and they f- blew my... My mind in so many ways But Lord Vox was also there And it was, like, four bands, I, I believe Unfortunately, I don't remember the fourth but And I just remember being absolutely blown away By both Telesomniac and Lord Vox But because I had been talking to the guys in Telesomniac They were a little less intimidating Whereas, like, Lord Vox just rolls up Plays, like, this set that just, like My pants fell off multiple <laughs> times And then just, like, kind of disappeared And that was like was mysterious and i was a little bit like intimidated by them and then like i'm seeing all these gigs that they're being added to and they're like killing it locally (laughs) so i'm like oh these guys are the real deal and then i was just like you know what they're a local band i'm gonna ask them and then they were the chillest dudes ever and were totally cool with it and put on a great show and yeah so i'm i'm you can say i'm a huge fan of lord fox i'm in love with lord fox (laughs) so awesome yeah Bye. Uh-huh.
0: I like the uh, kind of rockabilly Spanish, yeah, stuff. Who who played your trumpet?
1: Uh, so uh, it's uh, Jaden Bueno, okay, trumpet student from UVU. Okay, friend of ours. Cool. Yeah, he blew he blew us all out of the water. Like he just rolled up and just you know played and killed it, and then
0: and then disappeared disappeared
1: and <laughs> <laughs> into the ether, and we haven't <laughs> seen him since. It's pretty great. Wow. Well, i would love for him to play it with us live but i know he's busy yeah so yeah the kind of spanish influence was a purposeful thing i've always loved latin jazz yeah and i'm not talented enough to play real latin jazz so i just kind of wrote a song that's a little more latin swing feel right and then i just happened to have like a, a pretty good chord progression that i'd written before that i liked that fit that style very well so i just you know we just really leaned into the Spanish. Spanish Next was a, a painting I saw. Okay. okay. Um, basically, I uh, lived in Springville for a bit, and there's a, the Springville Art Museum. I went to the Springville Art Museum, and they had done a collection of paintings from, like, local universities and schools. So it was, like, high school, college. Okay. You know, like, just presenting local artists and i just remember one of the paintings that gave me a good like chuckle and a smile and i really actually liked it a lot it was called spanish necks i don't unfortunately remember the name of the artist but it's called spanish necks and it's it was a a painting depicting mariachis playing their instruments with their hanging from their neck on a hangman street oh, okay. and there's a business like a fat businessman it's very cartoony okay. you know but there's a businessman taking money out of their pockets <laughs> and I, it's just i it gave me a chuckle and kind of was like yeah that's that's cool i like that because it's it's kind of true about some of the modern you know rec- record companies kind of screwing over artists just to get a buck and it's a scary world out there for young, naive musicians. And I've heard my fair share of horror stories. So the song itself is kind of about, you know, is it worth it to get screwed over by, you know, someone who doesn't care about you right. just to be popular for a little bit? Or is it better to kind of retain some of that integrity and have your the rights to your own music and kind of do it? Yourself, you know, kind of slog along. And right. it's, they both have their pros and their cons, I'd prefer to stick with kind of the do-it-yourself kind of side of things just because I'm not interested in someone else making money off of my right. music <laughs> <laughs> or my creativity. It's mostly, I'm just nervous about someone telling me what to do right. with my art, which I was, we were talking about earlier, like, I struggled in art classes growing up because I just didn't like my teacher being like you have to paint it this way mm-hmm. it's like don't tell me what to do it's, it's art you know <laughs> and so and I've heard stories of like bands getting signed and going into the studio and the guy being like okay this is what we're doing and then they're like well no we don't really want to do that we want to do it our way and then they end up kind of getting screwed over because right. they weren't willing to bend to the wills and I'm not a fan of that that would be my nightmare so that song is just kind of about being taken advantage of Especially being naive and mm-hmm. wanting to be a big musician. So yeah.
0: Very uphill good. struggle. Very good. Let's listen to another question.
1: Yeah. Hi. Um this is uh Marcus Skaggington. Hmm. Um I just wanted to say that the lead singer of the cold year is the greatest. Oh. Ever Wow and He's so handsome Oh and he's so talented Wow And um He should be treated like the king that he is Oh <laughs> Again this is Marcus Skag Sk- Skaggington Yeah Uh yeah Oh huh. Wow <laughs> That Marcus Skaggington has a real sexy voice Mmm <laughs> Mm. mm oh wow thank you thank you caller anonymous caller for calling in and t- saying those nice things wow that made my day thank you <laughs> <laughs> we can move on from there i guess, guess So, <laughs> what more can you add yeah no it's sexy voice yeah <laughs> i do deserve to be treated like a king
0: all right uh so we have a section of the show that we called i tick We ask everybody the same six questions to figure out what makes them tick. This week's interviewee is John Norton. He's a local comic book artist. Cool. So here's John Norton. This part of the podcast, I Tick. We ask everybody the same six questions to figure out
3: what makes them tick. So tell us your name and what you do. I am John Norton and a social worker by day, comic book artist by other parts of the day. But if I had to say anything, I'm a comic book artist.
0: Excellent. Tell us your earliest memory.
3: Like, there's always like these kind of generalized, vague memories. Like, I remember like being at my grandparents' house and jumping off like the truck. But I remember one point I was living in this house and i remember going to the bathroom and on top of the toilet tank you know on the Mm -hmm. lid was a sticker of mr t from the cartoon version of the a-team okay and for some reason the top of the tank was wet (laughs) so (laughs) i remember that sticker just being on there but like drenched in water for some reason (laughs) i think that's kind of one of the earliest memories and why that's stuck in my head
0: who knows that's really funny what sticks with people Okay, tell us a story from your childhood, something that's influenced your life, maybe something you haven't shared often.
3: When I was a kid, I think I was in fourth grade, lived in a town, Cedar City in southern Utah, and um, small town, and, you know, it was back when you have sleepovers and all that kind of stuff, and you don't, it was, you didn't have to have, like, your mom drop you off, like, I just rode my bike up there and whatever, and went up to this kid's house, and I've known him, done this so many times, but he was pissed off at his neighbor like his neighbor made them get rid of their his dog for some reason so he wanted some revenge and he dragged me along with it and we were sleeping outside in like this uh it wasn't a tent; it was like a camper or something it was in the middle of a neighborhood you know middle of the city in the neighborhood we went to their house and trashed like dumped their trash out kind of Trashed it around, whatever. But he brought a pair of scissors and started popping tires, Ooh. the tires. Then he got it on his, you know, this big idea to go around town and do it randomly to other tires, oh. other cars. And I just went with them, you know. And I at the time, like fourth grade, I didn't quite understand what was going on, like the the severity of it, right? You know, I was like, all right. And I actually only personally did one, okay, one tire. But we did several up and down his neighborhood. Like, we went around to different houses, but that one street, he did several for, again, who knows. Because your kids and yeah. you don't know to go far. But skipping his house. Of course. So there was a police officer who came around and he was investigating. And, like, this kid's mom knew right away. She's like, what did you little f- do? And she's like, you better go out there and tell them right now. And, you know, the officer was like, oh, do you know anything about this? I go, yeah, we did it. You know, so they arrested us, arrested okay. us. They put us in handcuffs, put us in the police car, you know, call my parents. My dad was like, you could tell he was pissed like any, any, any parent would be. Right. And I remember like, you know, that was back in the time, like my dad Like, I got whipped with a belt. Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Like, only once in my life for stealing a piece of candy, you know. But he was, you know, you're in the police station. You come home and you're like, man, dad's going to give it to me. And he talked to, like, I think he had me in front of the other kids. And he's like, this is ten times as worse than the last time you did something. You know, you stole that candy. So, it was like, should I do it ten times harder or ten times more? I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) But he's like, but I decided I'm not going to do it. Any of that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. You know, I think you've realized, you know, you've been punished enough, but that kind of stuck with me. Like that was, we had to repay for the damage of the tires, which was several hundred dollars worth. But my mom and my parents were not wealthy at all, you know, like just above the poverty line, you know. So like they weren't able to pay that. And I didn't realize that it was never paid until years later when i was trying to get my driver's license oh really they weren't they wouldn't let me get my driver's license until this was paid off there wasn't actually they said a warrant out for my arrest like if i would have got stopped by a police officer for any reason like i could have gotten gone to juvenile detention or something like that so i had to pay that off i had a job at that time and paid it off myself and um, eventually was able to get it but just that alone kind of really steered me clear of doing anything wrong, like skipping school or ditching classes or doing anything else, like really put the fear of God into me. So I got, I got over it though.
0: (laughs) Share with us a piece of music that's been highly influential in your life.
3: Music hasn't been as big a thing for me throughout my life, but as uh, the youngest brother, I was always influenced by my older siblings, specifically Robert with the comic books and stuff. That's how I got into drawing. Like, Robert started drawing, so I was kind of copying him. But Robert somehow got into movie soundtracks and scores, and so I also got into that. But I think the first one that I really gravitated to, like, you know, the Star Wars and Star Trek and all those kind of things were great. But the one for the Last of the Mohicans really mm. stuck with me. And that's a movie, like, when that came out, like, again, I was young – Shouldn't have enjoyed that movie, but I did, you know, (laughs) and the music, I think it was it a violin or something. It's like the, the, the end part of that movie, it has this really cool violin like theme Mm -hmm. throughout this whole climax of the movie, you know, and that's always been something that I really enjoyed to this day. I can listen to over and over and that score for that movie is still one of my favorites of all time
0: yeah i love the song on that one the the courier it's just this it's the shortest song on there yeah and it's just like so stirring and awesome and i'm just like i wish this was longer
3: kind yeah. of thing it, it's annoying because that i have yet to find a definitive version of that movie that i love that has all like because there i remember watching that movie and then like it was on tv and like it had deleted scenes but then like the version that I have now on DVD or whatever that has those deleted scenes, like it's edited differently throughout the rest of the movie. There's a part where like the three guys are like running to chase to, you know, because the women were taken and Mm -hmm. captured and they're running and they're like scaling this, this mountain. And there's this really beautiful piece of music too, which is this woman singing, you know, it's like with the, no matter where you go, I will find you. But like the version I have, that song is absent. Oh, you know? So it's like, I can't find a version that has everything that I want. Like they they insert this part, but take out this part, you know, it's like, gosh, just give me what I want. Hmm.
0: All right. Share with us a piece of media that's been highly influential in your life.
3: I mean, I could easily go with comics. I could easily go with movies, but I'm going to go with a video game. Video games are always present in my life, you know, Atari and Nintendo and stuff like that. But it wasn't until Robert actually bought his own super Nintendo. We rented Super Empire Strikes Back, okay. the Star Wars game, you know, done by the Lucasfilm. But that is the game that, that's the first game that I, like, beat, that I, like, I completed. Okay. You know, back, you know, I was too young and, like, Nintendo didn't, like, weren't, you didn't beat a lot of video games. And uh, this one had a password system and it's easily beaten. It's not that hard. Some people, like, reviewers say it's kind of a hard game, but that was the first game that I beat, and then I'm like, I have to beat every game that I get. So any game that I rented, <laughs> like I had to beat, and I always hated that I didn't. and that I think put me on the trajectory of being a a gamer, okay, to the extent that I am, you know, but Super Empire strikes back for Super Nintendo. Awesome. Tell us about your passion and why you do it. Drawing comics has been part of my life as for as long as I can remember, again, doing it, like I think I started around third, fourth grade drawing emulating my brother because he was doing it he might tell you somehow different how he started from what I remember he was inspired by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out he bought the soundtrack to it which had like a picture, a drawing of like the four turtles and they were like being surrounded by the Foot Clan and I think he redrew that picture and that's what got him on drawing he might tell you otherwise, that's what I remember but then I started just doing it with him you know, we started creating our own characters we kind of had them interlinked I never got tired of doing that like and I just got better and better and just drawing like again I don't do it nearly as much as I should but I just am always thinking about it what's the next thing I'm going to be working on you know what's the next story so and sometimes it's not even necessarily drawing but it's just telling a story. Mm -hmm. It seems like I got stories all in my head that I want to get out and whether it's in comics or you know if I could do it via a movie or TV show or video game. That would be great. But just creating and telling stories and stuff.
0: John, what makes you
3: tick? I don't know. I think I want to be remembered for something that I've done, you know, like after I'm long gone and dead and, you know, people, you know, you have family that will remember you. But even after a few generations, like if I I don't have kids, I don't know if I ever will have kids. But if I did have kids and then grandkids, like they're going to eventually you're going to be forgotten. And that like gives like that scares me a little bit like i'm just gonna be like this you know not even a fraction in like the time span of humanity but if i could create something in some kind of media that could last longer you know that i think i'd feel better about myself so i think it's that that kind of drives me
0: all right well if people want to see your work or contact you how can they do that
3: facebook norton man art and comics instagram norton man art I'm on Twitter, Nortonman37, but I don't use Twitter that often. I hate Twitter. I know, right? Um, I have a YouTube channel that I don't do anything with. Also, Nortonman, but um, I have a website, Nortonmanart.com, that people can check me out to.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show.
3: Thanks, Richard. It was fun. All right.
0: So John's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he he did a run of uh, a comic book that uh, he's been uh, that he's had at Comic Con. Yeah. Oh, I used to have one of his on the wall, but. I replaced it with one by his brother.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs>
0: well, that's okay because I went to school with his brother. But, yeah, but that's how he ended up on the show. Hmm. They're actually doing one together. This is a that uh, Skeletor up there. Oh yeah. So they've they've done this fan comic of uh, Masters of the Universe that's quite brutal actually. Cool. And you can uh, brutal. And it and it incorporates all kinds of '80s nostalgia. It's crossover with like Voltron and. Huh thundercats and you know all kinds of stuff i
1: will say the masters of the universe live action movie that was made in the 80s uh-huh. it's pretty awesome <laughs> i honestly loved it yeah. like i i had always heard that it was a bad movie and that no one really liked it but i watched it and i was entranced like the guy who plays skeletor franklin jella i think uh-huh. om- oh uh so good. I love that movie. And I was not a fan of, like, I didn't grow up in the 80s. Like, I, I'd never watched He-Man. Okay. I just watched that movie one night because I was bored and it was, like, available for free somewhere. <laughs> and I ended up just absolutely adoring that film. For real. Awesome. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I, I can say I've only, I've I've seen half of it once. Because mm-hmm. I was flipping channels. Yeah. And it was on. And I'm like, oh, I've never seen this. And so, but, what I watched of it, I really enjoyed it,
1: it really like it really wasn't like i i get why some of the fans of He-Man would have a bit of an outcry because it's the whole kind of Hollywood cliche of He-Man crosses over into the real world and there's a kid and he's plucky. And <laughs> yeah, like, I get that. If you're a lifelong He-Man fan, you probably wanted the fantastical universe, right. you know, and stuff. But in this, it's just Dolph Lundgren wearing like a a fur-kini <laughs> and carrying a sword with a weird haircut and Skeletor, who doesn't actually look like Skeletor, like at all. <laughs> but it's a great movie. <laughs> Highly recommended. But yeah.
0: So speaking of movies that just get a bad rap, but I really love. I was watching a YouTube thing. They do all kinds of movie stuff. Joe Blow movies. Mm-hmm. And they did. They do this one where they somebody gives them bad movies to watch. And then they sit down and watch them together. And they're, they have to come up with something about the film that they like.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: And it's been interesting. I've watched three or four of them. The first one I saw was Justice League. Oh, yeah. Which was just I, a, a dumpster fire of a movie. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting to see them like spinning their wheels, trying to find oh, things about I it that have, they liked. I have a positive thing I can say about that
1: movie. Okay. The most comic accurate and best bat, bat suit okay that ben affleck love him or hate him is a great batman even though in justice league batman is reduced to an, a moron and is an awful character I, in the movie but his suit and like his, the way the his voice changer and just ben affleck's chin is oh such a good batman i just wish the writing were better
0: right yeah i've i've been sorely disappointed by most of the dc stuff yeah anyway that was just the first one that i saw mm-hmm. so i'm like oh this is kind of amusing seeing yeah. i'm trying to come up with something good about the film yeah but then the one that they posted the other day is a film i love really i loved it the first time i saw it and like it got nothing but crap and i was just like what 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 is wrong with this movie <laughs> like i i pre-ordered the movie long before yeah. it was even available and and it's by the same director as one of my other favorite movies so okay. i love the fifth element what the fifth element's an amazing movie who who says it's a that's not the bad one. Oh, it's the same director. valerian valerian v-
1: okay v- okay i love fifth element valerian wasn't bad but was not in my opinion was not good uh but it wasn't as bad as everyone was saying everyone was really kind of shitting on it yeah i didn't i i I didn't think it was great but it wasn't nearly as bad as everyone was saying
0: exactly yeah and uh so it was kind of interesting to watch them because they were just like in awe of every moment of the film and i think i think part i think part of what made people not like it is because the fifth element is so good yeah and so people were expecting the fifth element and it's not the fifth element it's something completely different Mm -hmm. but like i just love the insanity of it like
1: it's how a sci-fi movie should be sci-fi movies should be just off the wall weird (laughs) like that whole marketplace chase thing makes no sense but it's so cool and like the chase scenes and the like train scene and then like the yeah like and the opening like when they're building the space station showing all the different alien species coming that's so cool like that movie was not as bad. And I feel that that's one thing that I kind of try to avoid. One of the reasons why I try to avoid like YouTube, like critics. And sometimes right. there's, there's a lot of bandwagoning that goes on with that. There's so where much people are like, this movie's bad. I heard it's terrible. And then everyone just kind of jumps on the bandwagon just to hate on this thing because that's what is getting views. And a lot of the times those bandwagons, you know, are correct. Like Justice League, I'm 100% on the Justice League is a garbage movie bandwagon, but I'm not on the bandwagon of thinking Valerian is a bad movie oh or of thinking the He-Man Masters of the Universe
0: movie was bad.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Yeah. I So the, the cool thing was, because the way they film it is they'll, they'll like watch part of it and then they'll like interview the... Mm-hmm. they'll talk to they'll do the talk to the camera thing and then they'll watch more of it and then do the talk to the camera thing and uh it was just there's so much going on in that movie and like every single the next part of the film is just like it's a completely different world than the last part of the film Mm -hmm. and and it's just there's so much
1: i can get why that wouldn't be appealing to like the mainstream audience because it is just nuts yeah but
0: and see, I had never, I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, because I just sat down and loved it. Yeah, From beginning to end, I'm like, this is a great sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I feel that way about the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Okay, the movie didn't get sh- like, hey. Mm-hmm. But it, people were saying it's not very good or interesting. But I want—I was entranced by the movie from the beginning. Until yeah, the end, that was a cool and movie. And a lot of people are just like, eh. It's
0: right on the shelf. Yeah, that's <laughs> so.
1: literally one of the only DVDs I own is that movie because I love that movie. And not just because Tom Waits plays the devil, but <laughs> that's not the sole reason. That's the reason why I watched it initially, and then I ended up just loving it as well. So.
0: Okay, but, very good. So we have a new section of this uh, podcast. My daughter wanted to talk on the mics Mm -hmm. one day when she was in here. And so I turned on the mics and my wife was sitting across from her and she's like, I want to do a podcast. I'm like, okay, I'll turn the mics on. And uh, secretly I hit record and they didn't know about it. And so uh, we stuck that on the last episode. It was the very first time. And uh, she did that three or four times. And so I've got another one on. The, the one that we're playing today is actually her interviewing me. Oh. So we'll see how that goes. Adorable. Yes. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard McLean.
4: I'm Anna McLean.
0: And this is Talking Time. Time. That's how I start my podcast. That's
4: cool. Hello. We are here at Talking Time Podcast. Let's talk about podcasts.
0: What do you want to know?
4: This is only my third podcast, so I want to know a little bit about podcasts. Such as? Um... How they work.
0: So you record a podcast and then you load a podcast onto the internet. And I use a service called Simplecast. And you upload it and then it gives you a little website. And it also uploads it, syncs it up to iTunes. And you can also sync it up with Spotify. And you can also, I synced mine up with TuneIn. And so you can say, hey, Alexa. Play Please Leave a Message podcast, and then it will play the most recent episode.
4: Cool. So I heard that you have a podcast called The Message, as you just mentioned it.
0: That is correct.
4: What do you like to talk about on your podcasts?
0: Usually I bring a guest on, and we usually kind of talk a little bit of current events. So we talk about things that we've been doing recently things we've been up to, things we've observed. Then I talk to my guest about whatever it is that they're interested in, what they do.
4: What do you like to do?
0: Well, I like to draw and paint, and I like working with old audio. I like to restore old audio, fix it up. At work, I fix audio and pictures with Photoshop And I can animate, and I like to watch movies and listen to records, and I really, really, really love surround sound, and I'm learning to play the bass.
4: Cool. I have a question. Do you like old-timey cars? Who doesn't? I don't know. So, what's your favorite thing about podcasts?
0: I like long format. I like that you can have a discussion. You can actually get into it, unlike Talking Heads on television, where... They only have a minute to talk about something, and so everybody just tries to outshout each other, and nobody actually hears what the other person is saying.
4: So, I think I have a habit of saying makes sense a lot. I thought I only had it around Kella, but now I'm just starting to say it a lot.
0: That makes sense.
4: You just said it! Was it to be funny? Yes, it was. Okay, makes sense. I just said it. Anyways, I think I have a catchphrase. It's called Make Sense. Oh, I see. What do you want to talk about?
0: I I don't know. What do you want me to talk about? You're the host here. You're supposed to ask me questions to get me to talk.
4: What's your favorite food?
0: My favorite food is pizza. Hands down. Nothing beats pizza.
4: Okay. It seems like you like to eat a lot of food. A lot of tortilla food. Why is that?
0: Because it's easy... To throw something together on a tortilla, and it's easy to have good flavor, and it's quick and lazy, and doesn't okay. take a lot of prepare.
4: Okay, so what are a lot of things you talk about on your podcast?
0: Well, last mm-hmm. time I had a guy on that writes a lot of scholarly papers about history, he's studied the alphabet and the alphabet's origins. And how it's tied into the Zodiac. And the guy before that that I talked to is an artist. And he talked about being an artist. And we both went to high school together. So we talked a lot about reminiscing about when we were in high school. And the guy before that also went to the same school I did. But he's older than me. And he's an author. And so we talked about his books. And he read some parts out of some of his books.
4: That's cool. What is something funny about your podcast?
0: Something funny about my podcast is that I didn't want to start a podcast. My original co-host said, Hey, Richard, we need to do something together. I think we should do a podcast. And I said, let me think about that. And then I came up with this idea for an interview... And I sent it to him, and then I didn't hear back from him for two days, and then he had all these ideas. And so we got together, and I thought, well, I wonder if I have enough equipment to even record something. And it turns out that I did. And I only have purchased some cables, a second mic, some mic stands, and a compressor for the mics. Everything else I already had. Cool. And so we recorded. And I had him in come in twice to record and then he was just too busy he couldn't do it with me anymore but I was having too much fun doing it and so I kept doing it and that's the funny thing I didn't want to start a podcast and now I keep doing a podcast.
4: That's cool you told me there's something else funny about your podcast it was about the names of the people that came
0: okay so recently my last guest was named Ed Gobel. And my guest before that was named Robert Norton. And my guest before that was named Robert Goebel. And my guest before that was named Christian Dane Peterson. And my oh. guest before that was named Tim Peterson. So I had Tim Peterson, Christian Peterson, Robert Gobel, Robert Norton, Ed Gobel.
4: That's interesting.
0: And Robert and Ed are brothers. No wonder. And I had on my very first season their other brother, Mike Goble.
4: That is cool.
0: I didn't plan it that way, but that's what happened. Hmm. I need to get on two other brothers. I would like to get on Jeremy and Jacob Putnam, good friends of mine. And I also need to get on some other people.
4: Cool. What is your favorite part of having a podcast?
0: My favorite part of having a podcast is when I hear back from people that they listened and that they enjoyed it.
4: Cool. My favorite part is the recording because when you put your headphones and when you hear them talk, it sounds super cool.
0: Oh, it's like having wolf ears? Yes. Because you can hear all the details that you don't normally hear? Yeah. Because it's amplified? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I also like just learning things about people so that part's cool
4: and you make a lot of new friends
0: yes yes i do
4: that is your so we're done today with talking time
0: Want do one more song and then call it good
4: yeah uh
1: the masses is the single off the album so i feel like i've kind of talked that one to death okay so let's
0: we, do a deep dive
1: yeah we could do <laughs> saint iscaria if you're into a weird songs i'm into weird songs yeah it's it's not weird but it's uh it's definitely not normal okay it's not it's not standard for the album no
0: i'm definitely i'm down for that (laughs) yeah because you know i've got you ever see that uh there's a documentary called bathtubs over broadway Mm -hmm. so it's a guy that used to work he was one of the writers for dave letterman he was one of letterman's writers Mm -hmm. and uh they were doing a segment on the show where they were just joking about Dave's record collection. Mm-hmm. And so he was going out to record stores cause he didn't have any records actually. And so he was just going to see what he could find at record stores. And he started coming across these musicals. They were specifically written for like these big company parties. Oh, and so it, it was a big thing through like the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, even a little bit into the eighties. Hmm. So they'd have these big corporate meetings. They'd bring in all their big salespeople and they'd do this big production musical for them, and then they would, and it was always something to do with the product. Yeah, and uh, so then, and then gotta love corporate synergy, right? And Oof. then they would send them a record of the like soundtrack. Yeah, they would like record as stuff. like a little gift after the fact. So um, <laughs> he started finding those, and he initially was just collecting them just because that's funny. It's funny, yeah, right. But then the guy like totally got into it and he started like, what's the history of this? Why did this start? Who are the people on these records? And uh, so now there's a a documentary about the whole thing.
1: Weird. And uh,
0: what's crazy is like the people doing these were not like small time people. They were like big names, big names in Broadway. Like the same guy that wrote Fiddler on the Roof did a ton of these things. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I actually have a few of these because mm-hmm. I will pick up anything weird that I find yeah. when I'm collecting records. Mm-hmm. And um, why did I bring that up? Oh, because you said this was a weird song yeah. for the album.
1: Yeah. The, well, so the theory behind this song is that I love old funk records. Okay. That's kind of talking about that. Like, okay, And I love like how the, the funk, like the artists would like roll up with their posse mm-hmm. and then they would just turn the room on and just they would play live and their posse who you know consisted of some non-musicians would just hang out in the back and just clap out of rhythm in the back (laughs) and whistle and yell and stuff and just kind of combine that with my love for live recordings like I love it when a band puts out a live album because you can hear like that one guy in the background who's like oh i want to have your children or whatever (laughs) you know like things like that i love stuff like that i love found sound and and things so that's kind of where this song came from is i wanted to do kind of a funky song that sounded like we rolled up with our posse
2: cool yeah all right
1: forgot about the stop touching me at the very end of that song (laughs) it's hard to hear that without headphones on
0: Uh. i gotta say what i really love about um your albums is that uh there's so much being informed by like old school stuff yeah but it's not like all the same old school stuff and so uh you've got all these different sounds going on Mm -hmm. throughout the album but at the same time it still sounds like the cold year
1: yeah that's that's really important for me because you know like I, I love, you know, obviously I love music, doy, but I love the idea of theft versus borrowing. You know, right. that's a very interesting thing because like a lot of artists have said that, you know, a good artist borrows, a great artist steals. Right. And it's that's, that's true to some extent, but I tend to try to, when it comes to writing albums or writing songs, I try to avoid putting myself into the, i uh, I sound like this, right, kind of placing myself in that hole. I'm trying to be the square peg in the round hole, you know, like I don't want to fit in a certain way. I don't want to take influence, I don't want to steal from things, but that's always going to happen, but ultimately, my kind of goal is having things that are borrowed that people recognize, but and then packaging it in a way that's a little more original and unique. Right. And so I think that's kind of that cold year flavor is we have callbacks to, you know, weird things like those, you know, early Bootsy Collins and funk bands who would just roll up with a hundred people <laughs> and they would just pack in the studio and they would just do their thing. Right. You know, and that, I love that. But a lot, a lot of people know that people did that. And that's one of the reasons why, like, that classic early funk sounded like it did, is because it was very live. Yeah. It was very open, and it was very messy and kind of weird and that's one of the reasons i mean the other reason obviously being they're insanely talented musicians and they're writing amazing music right but that's one of the things that i at least i can control because i can bring a bunch of my friends into the studio and have them just talk Uh (laughs) (laughs) while we push record and then putting that over it but yeah
0: no that's that's very cool yeah well matt thanks for coming and being on the show again yeah,
1: thanks for having me
0: i uh, always enjoy talking to you yeah love listening to the music mm-hmm. it's good to hear the stories behind it
1: and yep every song has a story that's so. kind of my thing so
0: and uh that's what we like to tell stories here and uh so and we like people to call in and tell their stories too so yeah uh go ahead and give us call uh 801 sketch 1 801 753 8241 leave us a story tell us something cool and uh, you can be featured on the show. Uh, Good night, everyone. Good
1: night.